Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Geek Town Radio 153. We have a new co-host this week and his name is Daryl. Uh, say hello, Daryl. Hello, Daryl. <laughs> Lovely to have you on. Uh, do you just want to give the people a bit of background about uh, who you are and, and what you do for a living? Okay, yeah. Well, uh, my name is Daryl Lay and I write for a couple of websites, um, Hollywood News Source and Starry Mag. And I say I'm a huge TV and book fan. So if I'm not online, I'll probably be doing one of those two. <laughs> You're also a bit of a gamer, I noticed, from, from some of the stuff that you've put on your list of stuff you've been doing this week. So uh, what sort of stuff have you been doing this week? Gaming-wise, I'm a big fan of fighting games. Right. And... This weekend, there was a big fighter game tournament. So I spent a lot of time watching that um, as it went out on Twitch. Um, it's part of a huge global tour. That particular event was in Belgium. Okay. And attracted um, loads of um, Street Fighter Five players, professional players who were sponsored and you know get paid to jet around the world. Nice. Uh, beating people up on, on, on a video game, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. What else? What other stuff? Um, the other stuff, I like to play Hearthstone. So any business fans out there, you know, it's a uh, collectible card game that yeah. basically just inhales all the money from your wallets. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I've, yeah. A, I've played that and there's a um, new expansion out this month. So sort of like looking, getting ready for that, seeing what cards come in and um, go out sort of thing. Yeah, I've, I've managed to avoid Hearthstone, which uh, I think my wallet you is should. probably quite appreciated. You should. <laughs> stay, stay away. Stay well away. <laughs> I actually got a film on there as well. What? What's the film that you've been watching? Okay, this um, film is Wish Upon. It's a horror film and it stars Joey King. And I remember last year in the build-up to its release writing writing loads and loads of um, stories about who got cast in it. For instance, the young lady from Stranger Things, um, the one who died in the first season. Oh, right, yes, yeah. She's one of the co-stars in it. Okay. Um, and yeah, it wasn't. It's an excellent horror film. This is, has a simple hook. A young woman gets a item that allows her to make wishes. Right. And as it's a horror film, you know it doesn't quite work out that way. <laughs> of but course. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a very, it's a very interesting hook. Um, it keeps things going and it's really cleverly plotted. So I would definitely. It's also got. It's also got one of the stars of the major one in there. Key Young Lee, I think his name is. Right. Okay. It's got Ryan Philippe in it as well from Cruel yes, Intentions. He, yeah. And 
Yes, stuff. he starts yeah. as the father of the young lady who finds the <laughs> magical item. Interesting. Uh, Elizabeth Roman, uh, Jerry King, King Ali, yeah. Sydney Park. Interesting. Who's, interesting selection of people. Do you know who Sydney Park is? Because I haven't. I didn't know her before this. She auditioned for America's Got Talent. Oh, she was in uh, made a TV debut in That's So Raven. Apparently. Oh. So uh, and she. Oh, she. She was in The Walking Dead. Apparently, okay. one of the many, many, many characters that are in The Walking Dead that they uh, need to get rid of. Some because it's getting ridiculous now so yeah okay cool and that's what called wish upon so that's a horror movie i don't massively yes. do horror but that's yeah okay neither do i but that one's quite good it's not it's not too gory uh what about tv shows what tv have you watching well the, i think the biggest one is that the magicians ended this month um season three yeah and also came in almost immediately with a renewal so yes. we know that they're back again so that's great news. The Magicians is um, based on a book series, a trilogy by Lev Grossman. And it's very interesting. This is yeah. a very interesting take on magic and what it means. I know there are no um, things to be drawn between this and Harry Potter before anyone, anyone <laughs> asks. Very yeah. different stories, very different ideas of what magic is. Yeah, but it's a great show, and I definitely recommend it. Yeah, we we interviewed uh, both uh, Lev Grossman and uh, Jason Ralph, who's the the lead star. And oh, yeah. we've interviewed cool. both of those uh, a few years, sort of, I think last year and the year before, we interviewed those guys. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a good show. It's a good show. Not entirely sure when it's coming back yet, but uh, it is a, it is a good show. Season three is due over here reasonably soon because I know you get access to a lot of American shows. So uh, yeah. so yeah, season three is due over here. Well, don't. Don't know don't know yet when it's supposed to be on five star but who knows <laughs> so what, what else you'd be watching um i also got some early releases for siren which over in the u.s is on freeform yes which is a interesting take on the mermaid law in a small town where fishermen fish up something which yes. is obviously <laughs> obviously isn't a fish and yeah. yeah, I just leave it there. Uh, yeah. I think you, probably, you could probably try to find a trailer. Yeah. So we'll see how it develops from there. Yeah, it, it's an interesting looking one, that, because the, the mermaids aren't the overly friendly mermaids, from what I can tell from the uh, trailers and bits and pieces I've seen. It does look like an interesting yes. show. It's It seems to have gone down fairly well. It's not been picked up in the UK yet, but that's a, an interesting looking one, I think, that one. So hopefully somebody will take it. The, the other show has got a pickup. The other show you've been watching has is coming to sky i think over here uh when it gets ah. picked up so uh so yeah the, the other show is instinct wasn't it yeah the other show is instinct which stars alan cumming and is based on a book series by james patson and one of his co-writers yes and it's about a former cia agent turned ethics professor i think or psychologist not yeah. sure and he partners up with a new york detective after a killer copy something from one of his books which ah. sells remarkably like the, the beginning hook of castle yeah and it does feel a little bit like that, but it seems to have a concentration on sort of like the emotional development of the two leads, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, yep, yeah, I've, I've had those two previews, so I'm interested to see more. Yeah, I'm sure there was a Sigourney Weaver movie which had a very similar plot eye to that called Copycat, which 
I think the uh, who was the male star in that? It was Holly Hunter and uh, Dermot Mulroney was the with the other two. And uh, oh, Harry oh. Con- Harry Connick Jr. That was I, I knew <laughs> Harry Connick Jr. was in there. Oh wow! Uh, so yeah, there was a very similar kind of where where it was a psychology professor or a lecturer in criminal psychology that that somebody using stuff out of her books. She did a lot of stuff on serial killers, and somebody used something out of her books to to follow her. So uh, yes, it's a plot line that's been used a few times. And like you say, it sounds very much like Castle. So yes, but it looks interesting. And, uh, and uh, that is coming, I think, at some point. I think Sky One's got the uh, rights to that over here. Don't know when that's arriving yet, but now it's because it, it's only just started going out in the US. So, uh, so hopefully we'll get to that reasonably soon. I've been watching uh, The Crossing, which has just started on Amazon Prime, which is a really interesting... I saw the first episode. It's amazing. Yeah, really interesting sort of show. Has a sort of feel of something like Lost or the... What was it? The 4400? Yeah, I was going to say... That's what I've been saying to my friends. It looks like the 4400. Yeah. If it gets that much of a run, I'll be more than happy. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting looking show, that. The essential sort of opening premise is it's this sleepy little town you know local cops not an awful lot going on and they get a report of a body on the beach and when they get down there it turns out not to be one body but a whole bunch of bodies that have turned up and there are a few survivors that they pull out of the water and they reveal that uh, they're refugees fleeing a war except the war is in America and it hasn't happened yet that's the basic opening premise for the whole thing it's beautifully shot as well I mean some of those yeah. those shots of, of them under the water and uh, you know across the sea oh, as yeah, well that, yeah, I, the opening sequence is amazing the opening opening sequence is really interesting it, it does have that kind of grand feel to it so yeah really pulls you in mm-hmm. that's on amazon prime it's going out weekly on amazon prime over here i really really like that series i think it's a great pickup yeah. for them yeah. so there's that to watch out for deep state of course started which if you've watched anything of fox in the last two weeks you'll have seen an advert for deep state because they're pushing it really hard oh, okay. so that's the mark strong series where he's a retired agency guy worked for mi five or six or some shadowy government agency yeah one of those yeah one of the, one of those sort of off the books kind of things mm-hmm. and it would seem that uh he's basically pulled back in he's living in france with his family he's obviously been out the agency for a long time they kind of force him to come back in when it is apparent that somebody that he previously knew has been killed and they thought that he would be interested in going after the killer so that's that's the sort of set up for that i don't really want to get too much into it but it's it's, yeah fair enough it's got very much a feel of something like homeland to it uh very very strong series so strong in fact that they've already picked it up for a second season so very very interesting mark strong's brilliant in that as well it's really good show so uh worth going to watch that that's on fox going out weekly kiss me first is uh channel four's new drama it's very difficult to judge kiss me first on one episode because it doesn't really give an awful lot away other than what we already knew which is basically it's a a girl who is very into this online game except it's a fairly advanced kind of vr online game that you play with a headset okay. and hand things at home it's a mixture of you seeing the vr characters within the game mm-hmm. and their lives outside it she discovers an area in the game which is sort of hacked and walled off from most people 
and okay. uh, she discovers this area in the game and then one of the people that is in that hacked area that she stumbles into meets her in real life you don't really get an awful lot more than that in the first episode it's intriguing though so far i i do yep. want to see a Sounds bit more of it it's a, it's an interesting show so i i, I want to reserve judgment on exactly what i think of that until i see a bit more of it but the advertising i think is as bex was saying a few weeks ago the advertising for that is is really great it's got very much like the human sort of advertising of putting up fake adverts for the uh for the vr system they <laughs> that was the pre-ads that they were running for it and a lot of people were definitely fooled by that because you've got people going what's this what's this system so um yeah i but, but really intriguing show so far uh, i want to see a bit more of it before i i pass a proper judgment on it of it but um really enjoyed that i finally finished sneaky pete season two which is also on amazon prime if you've not seen oh, that yet i've not seen any of it if you like things like breaking bad it's definitely a show to go and watch the first season has brian cranston in it brian cranston is actually co-creator and producer of the show okay. the basic premise of it is uh from season one is it starred giovanni ribsy who is a con man he is locked up with a cellmate who is a guy called pete when he gets released he needs to hide somewhere to escape brian cranston's character who is a mob boss that's uh, that he owes money to so okay, he basically yeah. takes pete's life and because uh, pete's estranged from his family and hasn't seen them in like 20 years so he takes pete's life and goes and hides with pete's family pretending to be pete so that that's the basic premise of it but it's so well written and the interweaving storylines and the the family are bales bonds people so they they're chasing down kind of bad guys so he ends up you helping them out a little bit but he's also got involved with you know various criminal organizations and he's trying to uh, rip off the family as well because you know with bail bonds there's quite a lot of money floating around so he thinks he can yep. probably rip some money off them so uh, you've got all that going on season two is the sort of continuation of the storyline from season one but ends up in a kind of heist movie if you like sort of oceans 11 sort of stuff <laughs> it ends up turning into this kind of heist thing and it, it's just brilliant can't recommend that show highly enough it, it's just really solid so that's got two seasons on Amazon Prime if you've not watched that uh, Timeless came back for its second season as well on E4 that's a brilliant brilliant show it's Eric Kripke's show which got cancelled and then got re-established yeah. by NBC in the US just funny so well written lots of messing around in time meeting people throughout sort of history I think they did Madame Curie this week was the, was the sort of opening episode oh yeah it was yes mm -hmm. yeah the team are kind of back together in the opening episode continuation of pretty much where they left things at the end of last season which was they're now very much working in a reduced capacity because the uh, company that they were working for kind of got blown up at the end of season one so yeah just fun entertaining well worth going to watch if you've not seen that and um, billions as well back for its third season i was just going to say about timeless yeah. um, i actually wrote an article about that to celebrate um it coming back just talking about the story of its you know cancellation being cancelled for a week and yeah. then coming from the dead so you can probably find that on my Twitter. What's your, what's your Twitter? My Twitter is at Shaft's Word, which is S-H-A-F-T-S-W-O-R-D. Okay. No space, there's no underlines or anything like that. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Um, so go and look that up. But yeah, it's it's a really solid show. And the other thing was uh, was Billions, mm -hmm. which came back towards the end of, uh, I think it might have been a couple of weeks ago, but uh, that that's second episode I'm into that now, I think. 
think just loving that series um i've heard good things i've heard good things yeah it just damian lewis is amazing in it as is uh paul giamatti those two characters are as, as i think i mentioned last week they're, they're somewhat neutered in this season because they've both had to kind of give things up like uh you know axe has had to give up his trading at his company which he's really really struggling with because that's kind of his life and uh paul giamatti's character has had to sort of step off the case of chasing axe and hand it over to somebody else which he's also not massively dealing with well so it's a very interesting dynamic you have this season because they're they're kind of one step back but not coping with it at all in both cases so that that was uh that's been really good Good. Uh, so that's on uh, Sky Atlantic now. So uh, you can go and watch that. The other thing I did this week was mm-hmm. I uh, went to a thing called Wasteland Experience by a company called Z Events, which have, have you ever done anything like the Secret Cinema or any of those sort of things? I can't, I can't say have, just unfortunately where I'm situated, it's hard to get to right. some of those sort of interesting events. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. Wasteland Experience, if you have heard of Z Events, they've been running this thing in, uh, it's in Reading actually, the, the London one, although I think they do it around the country, but it's in an abandoned shopping mall in Reading okay. they've done it and uh, they did one last year that I think ran for a year or two years which was a zombie experience where you basically mm-hmm. it's a bunch of actors and some people playing zombies and some people sort of guiding you around this experience what's quite different and makes this quite intense is you're actually handed weapons in this so they they don't fire anything okay but they do give quite a kick they're basically they're like thousands of pounds worth of of equipment that are, are used in professional training environments for okay. military and stuff so uh, they're, they're really quite detailed and you know, really solid weapons you actually handed these rifles in the original experience it was a zombie apocalypse in this experience it kind of carries on from that so this is called wasteland experience and the idea is that because of the zombie apocalypse the main cities as a solution to this were nuked so so you're now <laughs> yeah. in this you're now in this sort of wasteland and the mission you're basically given is you've lost contact with this group of survivors who you know are in this particular location so your team is sent in to go and find out what happened to them that's basically the kind of premise of it and you're all given rifles you're led around by one of the survivors who you meet fairly early on you're taken through this abandoned shopping mall which is incredibly dark you've got people coming at you you've got people shooting at you you're wearing a kind of headband thing that tells you if you've been shot uh, as well so so you kind of know you know there there is a certain amount of danger involved they're throwing Mm -hmm. grenades at you which explode nearby it's it's kind of wonderfully fun but utterly terrifying in places i can't recommend it highly enough it's not exactly cheap i mean i think it was 90 quid but it's for i think that's a two hours it's around two hours that they take you around this thing so i mean it's one of those things that you can't get this experience anywhere else so i i think you know even i've done some of the secret cinema stuff which are brilliant but you don't have that level of interaction you know you wonder necessarily you're not kind of fighting and shooting you're you are 
interacting with people. Like, I mean, they did one which was based on The Empire Strikes Back, and that was incredible. They did an amazing job with it, but you're not really fighting through. You're kind of within that environment, whereas this, you're mm. actually given weapons that can actually fight back. So um, I can't recommend that highly enough. I know it's not necessarily cheap, but if you're if you're into that sort of thing, well, well worth doing. Really, really good fun. As I say, the London one is based down in Reading, but I think they do it around the country as well. They sort of expand it at various times, but that's from Z Events. So if you Google Z Events, that's Z-E-D events uh go and look that up it's uh, it's well worth going to do that's all the stuff i've been doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news so lots of air date stuff from the uh, tv and film news to kick off with this week okay. amazon have cancelled mozart in the jungle which was uh, one of their series that's cancelled after four seasons netflix has cancelled everything sucks after one season yeah that uh, i heard about that and i don't think but i heard about it so my timeline sort of exploded yeah once that, once that news came out and people were not happy yeah i mean it seems to have got quite a dedicated following um mm. i i tried the first episode and didn't sit with me well at all but then Gray said he he went and watched it and watched the whole season he was on last week or the week before he he said that he watched the whole season and quite enjoyed it I think part of the problem was the advertising for that made it seem far more like a comedy and far more like a sort of Goldberg-esque comedy no I don't think it is I think it's got comedic moments in it but it's far closer to being a sort of drama with some comedy in it than, than yeah. a comedy with some drama in it by the sounds okay, of it yeah. it's, not, it's not the first yes there, there does seem to be an ongoing problem of a disconnect between marketing strategies and content so yeah. let's try, they'll sell something as a comedy when it clear when it's like I know deals with horrible serious subjects which shouldn't be necessarily joked about yeah yeah, that seems to be the case with this, as far yeah. as I can tell. As I say, I watched the first episode. I I didn't. It didn't work for me at all. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe that was it for a lot of people. But yes, there does seem to have been a bit of an outcry on that. So whether that will get it reversed, I don't know. But uh, but at the moment is definitely cancelled. Shades of Blue, which is the J Lo cop drama, that's coming to an end with season three. It sounds like it's been planned as an end for season three. Not actually, it's been cancelled. JLo is going off to do various other things. She's got a, a like reality dance show. She's got a residency in Vegas coming up. So I think part okay. of it is her going back to doing more music and um, them sort of saying that we seem to have come to the end of of where they want to take the story. So I, I think it will be rounded off quite nicely. It, it seems to be definitely an ending rather than a cancellation, that one. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, uh, fourth season will be its last season, according to Rachel Bloom, who is the co-creator and star of the show. So yeah. uh, although they've not officially said that from the network, given that she's the one saying it, I suspect that's probably correct. She apparently had said previously that four seasons was about the number she wanted to do again i think that's that seems to be her wanting to end it not them cancelling it yeah which is is not necessarily a bad thing you know i i'd no, rather I think, oh i think it's definitely a good thing if you get a show going out on its own um terms especially coming from someone who's watched many shows who spend their summers wondering if they'll come back like yeah. say grim 
or yeah. which got which got treated horribly in his closing seasons. Yeah, so um, I, I think he's better to go out on a high than, you know, it, yeah. it's like Breaking Bad. Yeah, Breaking Bad definitely ended the way that it should have done. So, you know, you you want shows that, that you know, four or five seasons come to an end. I, I, you know, if it's a decision of the creators, I think that's absolutely fine. BBC America has renewed Killing Eve, which is a show that's not aired over here yet and hadn't actually aired for its first season on BBC America before they renewed it for a second. So um, that's uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's show, which is about sort of FBI agent chasing a hit woman, basically. And yeah. it's sort of a cat and mouse game. They've already renewed that for a second season. That is going to get aired over here on BBC One and BBC Three. It'll go on as a box set, so it won't air over here until it's finished airing on BBC America. Um, huh. but, Interesting. Well, BBC America is a commercial entity, although it's called BBC yeah. America. It's essentially it's its own thing. So uh, BBC America commissioned it for them. It's a bit like um, Orphan Black. You know, Orphan Black aired on Netflix over here because BBC America sold it to Netflix because they make more money on it that way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will be coming to the BBC BBC One and BBC Three, though, but not until after it's finished airing in the US. The, another big renewal as well was the CW, who's renewed 10 TV shows, as it has yeah. its tendency to do, uh, which was awesome news. All the DC shows, so Flash, Arrow, Legends, Supergirl, and Black Lightning have all been renewed, which is great yeah, news. Definitely. Riverdale, they've renewed. Supernatural, of course, has been renewed. Supernatural will be going on long after I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, super, Supernatural, they've basically, the, the head of CW said, we will make Supernatural as long as the boys want to be in it. So, you know, that's always going to get renewed as long as the guys want to carry on doing it. Yeah. Dynasty's been renewed. That was surprising. That was surprising. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, like I say, has been renewed, but she is saying it's probably for the for the final season. Uh, Jane the Virgin has been renewed. The three shows that they haven't renewed yet are iZombie, Life Sentence, and The 100. Now, Life Sentence doesn't air over here at all at the moment, so I think that's probably not got much of a chance of, of surviving. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't see Life Sentence making it. iZombie, The 100, have always had an interesting sort of relationship with their network yeah, um, yeah more so than 100 and all of its ongoing yeah. issues which yeah. I'd have been turned into positives because Clexicon which spurred from the death of, of an LGBT character on the show yes um, just happened just this past weekend right yeah um, so even if even if the 100 is to come back which at the moment and given what the sort of plot stops is for the next season is it's done a lot to TV to fandom yeah I mean, it's again it's one of those shows that's that's got a very dedicated fan base. Yeah. Um, the advantage I think iZombie and the 100 have, because uh, the, the reason 100 hasn't been renewed yet is because it hasn't aired yet. The latest yeah. season hasn't aired yet. So the the fate of Life Sentence and iZombie is partly reliant on how the 100 does for its next season when it does come back. iZombie is very much on the bubble at the moment. Um, the advantage that does have over Life Sentence is iZombie is sells better internationally, for example. Example, yeah. it airs on Netflix over here. The 100 as well, it's, as I say, it hasn't aired yet. Again, it sells better internationally though because it does air on E4 over here. So we'll see how that that plays out. I would like to see iZombie back because I do enjoy that show. It's fun. Um, I would like to see the 100 back as well. But either way, I would hope that they get a chance to wrap those shows up in some way. Yeah, 
I would like to see I like I like to see a good end to the one hundred because I, I don't really see how much further it can go on in terms of calamities. I mean, yeah. I mean, for the end of the last season, there's not there's not a lot more you can get from there. So yeah, yeah, and and didn't they have a like little time jump at the end of last season as well? So, so. um, yeah. So when the new season comes back, there's a time jump. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I can't be sure, but I think it's supposed to be about eight years. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see that and see how that plays out and whether they are working towards an end game or or mm. not but either way i would hope that both shows get an ending so even if oh, they yeah, do definitely. cancel eyes on b you know or bring it back for a shortened run which you know maybe that's a way of doing it but uh, mm-hmm. I I would hope that both shows get a chance to wrap up. Well, it seems that short and run might be it might be a theme next year. There's a few new stories about CW will be shortening the um, DC Arrowverse stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Black Lightning is already shortened. Yeah, anyway. it's a thirteen episode, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Legends of Tomorrow is 16, if I remember correctly. Yes. Personally, I think that's a better fit because for those, you, yeah. when you watch Arrow, not so much Supergirl, but when you watch Arrow and The Flash for a season, you can definitely point to this, 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 and this. These are filler. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah. Where pretty much only one plot thing happens and it takes about two minutes and the rest of it is just pure filler. Yeah. The other thing is CW in, in the US has expanded, I think, their... Yeah, they got, they got their opening just Sunday primetime programming. Yeah. So that means they have to make a, a great deal more yeah. shows. So they have got a bit more space to play with. But I, yeah, shortening some of the DC shows would make sense. You know, if you, even if it's only down to sort of 18 episodes rather than 22 or whatever it is. I, you know, dropping a couple of episodes here and there would actually make sense for some of those shows, particularly Arrow. Arrow has a lot of filler, uh, I think, in it. But, uh, yeah. but and yeah. also with that, it means that crossovers, more of a possibility that you could actually have two in a season because after I've interviewed enough of the Arrow stars to know that doing those crossovers, it seems yeah. like hell on earth for them because yeah. obviously they have to all be together and shooting all the time. So, yeah. and I think, I think when you talk about those short shows, they shoot like nine months a year. So even given um, actors like making it eight months of nine, or that's yeah. going to improve and hopefully keep them around. Yeah, as- that would be good. So, so we'll see what they do with them when they announce. We should hear in May also what they are, are going to do with the shows moving forward with with the renewed shows. Because all we know is they're renewed at the moment. We don't know episode lengths or you know, I mean, series lengths and stuff. So uh, May is usually when they do the upfronts, which is usually middle of May somewhere we should find out a bit more about exactly what's going to happen with those shows and the other bit of air date news uh, Supernatural season 13 finally has an air date and uh, it's coming on the 17th of April at 10pm to E4 I don't know why they've held on for it for so long this year whether it's how it aired in the US and they needed to take gaps out and then they couldn't find somewhere to fit it I don't know so it's another show coming back in April which uh, you know but I'm, I'm very happy to have Supernatural back because I adore that show it's wonderfully stupid <laughs> so yes huge fan of that show moving on to uh, bigger news mm-hmm. we've got a couple of news stories Carl Urban has got a new gig and it's uh, another comic book adaptation having starred in Dread he's now starring in The Boys which is this adaptation of the Garth Ennis comic book Garth Ennis is a guy that made Preach or guy that wrote Preacher comic book mm-hmm. he's got another comic book called The Boys it's coming to Amazon the idea of the show is it's about 
part of a group of guys who are pulled together, backed by the CIA. And the idea is that these guys are there to keep the capes in line. So uh, when a superheroes either go off the rails or cause too much, what they call the quotes, collateral damage, the boys are sent in to slap down the heroes. That's the idea. He's going to be playing Billy Butcher, who is the leader of the boys. He's essentially the man that's kind of pulling this team together. He recruits a, a character called Huey, who is going to be played by Jack Quaid, who you might know from The Hunger Games and Vinyl. Huey is uh, somebody who has definitely got a beef with the uh, capes because they killed his girlfriend during the middle of a superhero brawl that got way out of hand. So um, he's sort of pulling these people together that have bones to pick with some of the heroes. I mean, the superhero team are made up of Anthony Starr from Banshee, who's playing Homelander, uh, Nathan Mitchell, who's in iZombie as Black Noir, Dominic McElliott, who is uh, from House of Cards, Chance Crawford, who's from Gossip Girl. So they've, they've got quite a good set of staff for the heroes, but the main focus is these sort of anti-heroes, quite literally anti-heroes that are taking down the uh, supposed hero group, who, when you actually mm-hmm. read the character descriptions for the heroes, aren't particularly heroic. They're kind of a very twisted version of the heroes who where powers have kind of gone to their heads and stuff, and they, they really don't care about anything but themselves. Is this a show that you're kind of interested in? Yeah, it definitely sounds interesting. Um, I'm a fan of Carlo, but I watched him in that Fox show. Yes, Almost Human. Ah, that's it. Yeah, Almost Human which I thought was excellent and he, and he was excellent in it. Obviously yeah. that was with a more comedy bent, comedy procedural yeah. than this sounds like, but yeah. Yeah, no, it, um, was, it was a good good show that. And uh, the other thing that stands out for the boys is it's been written by Eric Kripke, again, who is the guy behind Supernatural and Timeless and Revolution. Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen are also directing the pilot who are the guys behind Preacher, uh, the TV adaptation of Preacher, which is the other Gareth Ennis book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think with that team being behind it it could be really really good for amazon as a superhero show what i am hoping is you know that there's this mega city one judge dread series in the works I, as well to be honest i didn't until today oh, right okay so yeah there's the the guys behind the judge dread movie have a mega city one series in development they have been talking to carl urban about potentially coming back and playing judge dread although yeah, but is is mega city one good to be like gotham though no it, it's kind of a procedural by the sounds of it. The idea is it's sort of a procedural set in the Mega City 1 Judge Dredd universe. Interesting. It will be based around the judges, but not entirely focused on Judge Dredd. It will be based around a group of judges. So although Judge Dredd will be in there, he he doesn't necessarily need to be in every episode. He okay. He's not... It's likely to be based around some of the other judges with Dredd maybe off to the sideline doing guest appearances every so often. So hopefully, if they manage to get that show off the ground because it's still in development at the moment if that show gets off the ground hopefully he will be able to do both because if this is an amazon series i don't know how many episodes the boys is but i imagine it's probably only a 10 or 12 episode or 13 episode run it's yeah, not like i would think so yeah it, it will be a 22 yeah it's not going to be a 22 episode run so the chances are that he will be able to work out something where he can do both because i do really i mean he's been the best judge dredge we've had so far he was really good in the movie so i'm, I'm quite looking forward to hopefully then be able to bring him back the boys is expected to land on amazon prime in 2019 
So uh, we'll let you know when we hear a bit more about that, but that looks kind of interesting. Another comic book adaptation that's been picked up is FX, the US network. I've picked up a pilot order for Why the Last Man, which is a Brian K. Vaughan and uh, Pierre Guerrera comic book. They've actually had this in development for about two years. The problem is it's been sat on a shelf because the person that was behind the show was Michael Green, who was, up until the end of last year, one of the two showrunners of American Gods. But when he uh, quit American Gods along with Brian Fuller, which uh, I think we've mentioned before, so those two guys have now left American Gods, this came back into production. He picked this back up again. So uh, the story of Why the Last Man is, uh, it follows a character called Yorick Brown. He's the last male human survivor on a, after a planet-wide plague simultaneously kills every mammal possessing a Y chromosome. So basically every male ma- mammal on the planet. The event not only kills the men, but obviously causes disasters worldwide, such as cars, crashes and planes plunging out the sky because the male pilots have keeled over whilst flying the aeroplane. Uh, so it's also killed millions of women and children and uh, you know various other people. So you're now set in this sort of post-apocalyptic landscape and Yorick, who is accompanied by a mysterious government agent and a brilliant young geneticist and a pet monkey called Ampersand, uh, they're travelling the world in search of his lost love and the answer to why he's the last man on Earth. I've written about this a few times because as you say, it's been in development for quite some time. Uh, so I looked at it before, I don't know. I look at this <laughs> and I th- I look at this and I think it could well be controversial in the wrong way. Yeah. I can see lot. I can see lots of online magazines writing lots of articles about how badly women are portrayed in this. So I just look at it and think, hmm, yeah, or give to rest. It's one of those things that you sort of feel with the whole Me Too movement, maybe that's one of the reasons why they decided to pick it up again. But I don't know whether that... I know that was a good idea. Yeah, I don't know whether that's a positive thing, given how the women may be portrayed in this show. So, yeah. I, I don't I've, know. I've read enough into the summary to see, like, what some of the factions do or what they or what they plan to do. And, yeah, I don't really see that going down well. But we, sh- we shall see. Yeah. I mean, FX do good work. Yeah. And I think, basically, they seem to be one of those who give their um, creators freedom. So, you know, they might wow us. Yeah, yeah, they may, may, might do. I mean, you know, I mean, FX before, gave, gave us things like Legion. So, you know. <laughs> don't even say that. It makes my head hurt even just thinking of a name. <laughs> So, yeah, as, as I say, Michael Green, who has previously worked on American Gods, is is one of the showrunners behind it. He's serving as showrunner along with uh, Ada Masha Corral, who uh, was on Luke Cage and Turn. So it's got some quite good people behind it. And Michael Green seems to have done some fairly good work. I mean, I thought the first season of American Gods was very good. Again, it's a bit of a brain mash of a show, that. But, you know, I, I thought did quite good work. A couple of the other exec producers worked on American Crime Story and Pose which you know I don't know about Pose yet but American Crime Story obviously is, has been yeah. incredibly well received so the original comic book ran for 60 issues it picked up three Eisner Awards it got the first Hugo Award for Best Graphic Story so they've got some very solid stuff to work with it's currently only a pilot it may not go to series we don't know much more about it than that but we'll, we'll see and the last story we've got is it doesn't actually relate directly to TV shows but I thought it was kind of interesting Disneyland Resorts are making a new 
superhero theme park at various places around the world. They've they're mm-hmm. adding one to uh, Disneyland in uh, California. They're adding one to Disneyland in Paris and one to Disneyland Tokyo. The only thing is, they're not allowed to use Marvel in the name, so it can't be like Marvel Land. Basically, due to a rights issue, back in 1994, there was a deal between Marvel pre Disney that gave Universal the rights to the Marvel characters, such as people like Spider Man and the Hulk at the Universal theme parks across the globe, but only if Universal actually used the rights. So, for example, the deal prohibits Disney from using specific Marvel characters at Disney theme parks east of the Mississippi River and bans Disney from using the word Marvel in the title of any of its theme park lands anywhere. So you've got Disney have got this massive brand so they just can't use the name, which is really weird. If it's just if it's just the word Marvel, yes, that's annoying, but I don't think it's game-breaking. No, no. I mean, for example, Universal Studios in Orlando has an Adventures yeah. of Spider-Man ride, which okay. uses the, obviously, Spider-Man and a bunch of Spidey villains. That means that the Disney World in Orlando can't have a Spider-Man ride and potentially can't have anything related to Spider-Man. You know, it may also affect teams that spider-man is part of so possibly they couldn't even have an avengers ride i mean it's interesting to note that they've announced these theme park expansions but they haven't announced anything for disney world in orlando Mm -hmm. they've only announced them for disneyland's in california paris and tokyo because in in, there is a universal studios in la but it doesn't have a spidey ride at that one they don't have any marvel rides there um so what they are doing is disneyland paris has a new marvel themed area in their park which uh, is going to be based around Iron Man. That's opening up fairly soon. And they're going to have more Avengers stuff in a 2020s, sort of when they're aiming to release all this stuff. There is an Iron Man ride already in Tokyo. They're going to be expanding that. And they're going to be expanding the Disney California adventure bit of uh, Disneyland in California that they're going to be expanding. But, you know, for us, if you want to get close to one, it's Disneyland Paris. They've they've got a whole bunch of superhero stuff coming up in Disneyland. Disneyland Paris. Apparently they're doing something later this year from June 10th till September, which is uh, the Marvel Summer of Superheroes, which uses the word Marvel in it for some bizarre reason, which they've said that they're not allowed to do. So they're Summer of Superheroes anyway, that they're, they're apparently doing this summer. And then they're going to be expanding the rides out for various different things. So yes, if you're into your kind of Marvel characters and want to go and be able to hang out in a uh, Avengers world, whatever it's going to be called, they're 2020, they're kind of expanding those across those parks so uh, that'll be something to watch out for sounds interesting yes sounds good so um that's all the news for this week next up we have the interview when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So this week's interview is with the composer Anne-Catherine Dern. 
And Catherine Dern is a young German-born composer. She was recently nominated for the Breakthrough Composer Award at this year's International Film Music Critics Association Awards. She's worked extensively as a composer throughout the international film industry. She's working on projects spanning from numerous genres and reaching huge audiences. Most recently, she composed the acclaimed historical drama The Jay Pendant, which is a Chinese-American co-production, tells a love story cast against the backdrop of the Chinese massacre of 1871, in which 18 immigrants were lynched in Los Angeles. Uh, she's previously worked on the score for German-based family films called uh, Lily Bewitt's Christmas. She worked on uh, the independent documentary called WTF, the World Thumb Wrestling Federation, <laughs> which is brilliant. I mean, I, amazing thing to work on. Uh, she's worked on various animated features. She's worked on TV shows like Galavant as well. It's a really interesting interview because she's quite early on in her career, although she has done some big jobs a lot of the stuff she's she's done are not necessarily films you've heard of but it's it's quite interesting talking to her about you know working in the industry and working as a composer that early on in hollywood and a lot of that sort of stuff so it was a really interesting interview it's about 20 minutes long here's the interview with Anne catherine dern we will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for coming on and spending a little bit of time to chat through your stuff. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> you're, you're most welcome. Uh, should we start off with a little bit of background about you? How did you get into composing in the first place? Good question. Um, I don't come from a particularly musical or artistic family, so it seems a little odd, <laughs> but... Pretty much what happened, I was born at the end of the 80s, so I grew up throughout mostly the 90s. Right. Which was the time of the Disney animated movies ah, and yeah. Alan Menken and all those, you know, songs. So I was really hooked on that. But um, I remember specifically my family dragging me into the first Harry Potter movie. <laughs> and I was I was one of those kids that didn't want to do the stuff that was popular. Right. So <laughs> Harry Potter was really popular. So I didn't want to read the books. I wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> But they dragged me into the movie anyway, and it was such a mind-blowing experience for me. I was, I think, 11 at the time, so yeah. I, it was crazy. I started reading the books, and um, I remember walking out of the cinema just under the impression of John Williams's music, and, and you know, I just couldn't believe it. And uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I ended up going to a store and seeing if you could actually buy film music on CDs, because, right. I mean, we did didn't have the internet yet. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't really that obvious to me that you could buy that stuff. Yeah. And um and then obviously in at the store I started listening to other film scores and I started liking the Star Wars stuff that <laughs> I had not known and and I saw that every score that I liked was done by John Williams. I had no idea who he was. I did not know who Steven Spielberg was or any of that. I just knew that I liked this particular stuff. Yeah. And um, so my obsession began and uh, I started you know, spending all my pocket money on John Williams CDs and stuff. So... Uh, <laughs> That's kind of how it started, by accident. <laughs> that's that's a great place to start, though. I mean, if you're going to start in, in composing, John Williams is not a bad person to go after. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much starting right at, you know, yeah. probably one of the best there ever was. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, he says he's going to give up the Star Wars movies after after he's done 10, uh, which is the next one or the one after. So, uh, so you know, there's an opening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there are like about 100 other composers standing in line for that. So. <laughs> yeah, possibly, but, you know, <laughs> worth a shot. <laughs> hey, sure, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and and great great place to be if you're a Harry Potter fan being in LA because they've got a Hogwarts now. So you know <laughs> they do, and I have not been there yet. Haven't, oh, I you have to believe you have to go. I was over in LA last summer. I went to the Hogwarts. It's amazing. You have to go. <laughs> oh, I'm hearing such great stories, and it's as you've been to LA, you know how huge the city is. So. Yeah. For me, it's on the other end of the city. So, <laughs> right, so for okay. me, it would be like a two-hour trip just to get there through traffic. And then I always keep procrastinating on it and <laughs> wait until I have free time. And then I don't end up having free time. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no. that. <laughs> it, is, it is worth, I mean, you know, there's temptations to do everything at Universal. But if you're going to go and do, yeah, you can go and just do the Harry Potter thing. I mean, it's just worth it just for that. It's amazing. So. Oh, my can, God. You can, you can buy ones where you stand actually outside the stores and wave the ones at things in the window and it moves and stuff moves and it does things. There's like a what? there's like a controller in the one. The kids just adore it. There's there's like kids all over the place just really impressed because you stand at certain <laughs> points, you can wave the one at the store fronts and things move in the store. It's just amazing. <laughs> you wow. have to go. You do have to See, go. I would just have gone to drink like butter beer and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, you can do that as well. I mean, they sell butter beer. Butter beer is really nice as well. <laughs> so, yes, we're getting very off topic. <laughs> yeah. um, the latest film you've been working on is the one of the latest films you've been working on is the Jade Pendant, which is I mean you you're a, a German transplant to LA you end up working on a Chinese American production which <laughs> is is kind of an interesting switch how did you get involved with that movie yeah that's a funny story um as you may have seen uh in my credits I've worked for a lot of composers here in LA yeah and um this movie was supposed to go to one of the composers that I've worked for Pinar Toprak um, right. a Turkish composer here in LA <laughs> and um, she pretty much handed it to me and the thing was that the movie was already scored by someone else so we didn't even think that we were hired to to write a new score or anything we just were hired to score the trailer and she gave that to me and and that was kind of supposed to be it but then they loved the trailer music so much and the theme that I had written that they pretty much said look Let's sit down and, and have a little viewing session of the whole movie and see if you can either replace parts of the score or the entire score. <laughs> and then <laughs> somehow we ended up replacing the whole thing. And, and I wrote a complete second score to the movie, pretty much. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all from a trailer. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so um, what were you sort of doing for that score what what was your approach for it obviously a lot of john williams <laughs> um yeah the the main thing for me is melody having themes developing 
themes and then, you know, using the leitmotif technique, the way that it is done in traditional scores. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was looking a lot at memoirs of a geisha and, and similar scores. I've also, I'm working a lot with Klaus Badelt. So I looked at his score for The Promise and um, right. I got a little access to scores and um, <laughs> kind of looked at what, what were they doing? How were they using themes? How were they combining traditional orchestra with Chinese instruments? And this movie is also taking place mostly in the Wild West. So... Right. There had to also be a lot of Americana. So I looked at uh, Randy Newman and kind of <laughs> tried to figure out and then Copeland, you know, because I, I wasn't born here. So yeah. Americana and Chinese music are both not necessarily something that I'm extremely familiar with. At yeah. least I wasn't surrounded by it. Yeah. So um, I had to do quite a bit of research to kind of combine Western orchestra with Americana with Chinese instruments. <laughs> That's an interesting combination you end up doing. So what sort of Chinese instruments are you using on it? Uh, on this one, I used uh, taiko drums. Okay. I used um, several different uh, flutes. I used uh, the erhu, which is... A, a bowed string instrument, kind right. of a Chinese cello. Okay. And uh, one of my favorites, even though it's actually a Japanese instrument, the koto. Right. But there's, there's a Chinese equivalent because they exchanged instruments throughout history. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I just had a koto, so I had to use that. But it sounds pretty much like the Chinese equivalent, which... I think it's called Guzheng, right. but I'm not entirely sure I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> so are you are you playing all those instruments or are you using samples of those instruments? Of the Chinese stuff, I use samples, except for um, some of the flutes I actually played myself. Right. Because I, I am a flutist and a pianist, so okay. some of that stuff I can play. But yeah, a lot of it came out of sample libraries. Right. Okay. It's sort of interesting to see what sort of mix composers go for between the sample libraries, which are so good these days, you know, yeah. compa compared to playing stuff live, because I guess the live stuff gives it a slightly different edge that you can't get from a sample library. Yeah, that's that's true. But very often you can actually already get that live element by just, you know, having a couple of players play on top of the mock-up. Yeah. We call that sweetening over here. So okay. um, it, it really works, particularly if you have a soloist. And then yeah. the rest is orchestra. If the soloist is live, that's what the listener is focused on. So very often you will actually not notice if the rest is not live, if it's well programmed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've done a mixture of things as well as composing in your own right. You've got a lot of credits for a score programmer uh, or score arranger. What, what's a score programmer actually do then? That's pretty much um, usually the mock-up artist. Usually um, it can... It can be a lot of things. <laughs> Sometimes it's actually additional music, but you oh, couldn't okay. get the additional music credit mm. for political reasons, which is <laughs> often the case. Yes. Or uh, actually the composer would put a sketch, like a piano sketch into their sequencer and then just have you come over and then you'd create the, you know, the orchestral mock-up out of the sketch. Right. Okay. Sometimes um, I remember with Joel McNeely, it was 
he still writes stuff by hand with pen and paper. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so he would write a cue in the morning and then have his assistant scan the sketch and then send it over to the company I was working for. And then we would pretty much turn the sketch into, you know, audio right. that Joel could present to the producer in the evening. Uh, okay. Interesting. It's, it's bits like that. You, don't really you don't really think of it as much of an industry like that you sort of always think of co- composing as being one person or you know a couple of people sat in a little room you know <laughs> which often it yeah. is the case but you know <laughs> maybe sort this of. whole thing yeah, yeah. Uh, some composers would have you believe that that's the case but usually there's at least three people involved at yeah. least three with arranging themes and uh just um kind of helping out yeah. with just getting the bulk of the work done. Yeah. As well as doing films, you've done a few TV shows. You've also done bits for video games and for live theme parks as well, which is kind of interesting. (laughs) Yeah, that was all um, under other composers. Uh, The TV stuff I mostly did under Christopher Leonard's and ironically, Alan Menken, (laughs) (laughs) who who was the first person to influence me at all in my life. The company I was working for at the time had their studio at Sonic Fuel Studios, which is just renting out rooms to all kinds of composers. And that studio is owned by Christopher Leonard's. Right. And uh, I had been there for two years or something. So I guess they figured if you stick around that long, you probably don't suck. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, you know, we were asked to do a mock-up for Alan Menken and then he liked it. And half a year later or something, they asked me back on the project to do a couple of episodes for the TV series that Chris and Alan were doing. That and, was um, Gallivant, wasn't it? That was Gallivant, yeah. yeah. With composing your own stuff, just, just sort of going away from something like the Jay Pendant, one of the other credits, which I thought was brilliant, was the World Thumb Wrestling, <laughs> <laughs> the World Thumb Wrestling Federation. <laughs> Where on earth do you start with something like that? That was also a recommendation from one of the composers that I had worked for. Right. They knew this young filmmaker who had just started a production company. And um, that was one of the first projects they did. So they they needed someone to... It's a mockumentary, so it's not to be taken seriously. It's, you know, completely goofy and, and just... Uh, just hilarious. Right. Um, that was, yeah, that was their passion project. It was a very quick thing we did. Right now, I'm actually working with that filmmaker again on a, a vastly different project. It's about uh, <laughs> child abuse. Oh. So, <laughs> so yeah. we went from completely hilarious mockumentary to drama. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's a wild shift in direction for that filmmaker. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, he does he does a lot of stuff, and I I saw that at the time. Yeah, because com- comedy is not necessarily my my forte yeah it's more fantasy and drama but at the time i saw he's so busy has so much in the works and and vastly different stuff he also did the sci-fi movie and uh, just all kinds of things so i was like this is really interesting that 
he has such a range. So I really want to get on board with this guy who seems to be doing it all. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was the motivation behind that. Yeah. You've, you've also gone back and done some uh, stuff in the, our, our German language films as well there's uh i i don't know what they are, they are in german but uh but lily's bewitched christmas and help i shrunk my parents with the uh, the two <laughs> that i noticed is, is there any difference in the music side of things doing things for a german audience than there is for an english audience or american audience not necessarily the main difference here was that these were kids movies and they right. were trying to get them to be you know without any age restrictions. So the only difference was really that I had to make sure it wasn't getting too dark. Right. Because so, there are some some parts in those movies were already really dark. And if I had scored them as dark as they were, then, you know, this would never have passed as, uh, you know, no <laughs> age restrictions. So that was the main thing for me, because usually I don't have to think about that. Right, but, yeah. Um, for that, that was a consideration. But generally, the process is pretty much the same. I mean, these were projects that Klaus Badelt handed me. And, um, you know, obviously, he's used to a certain workflow. And um, these were cinematic, like these were theatrical releases. So these were, you know, bigger German productions and yeah. um, proper recording budget and everything. So <laughs> the motions you go through are pretty much the exact same thing as on the really big productions. Yeah, it must have been nice to go back and, and do some German language stuff as well, though, on top of the other things you've been doing and do big sort of cinematic releases. Yeah. And it was really, I mean, when they told me the concept of Lily the Witch, obviously, you know, that <laughs> kind of played into my Harry Potter fantasies. So, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to take that. <laughs> if, if, if Klaus doesn't want it, I'm I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Because he had done the, the first two of that series. So um, yeah, he oh, gave right. me the third one. So it was, that was really, really sweet of him. And the second one, Help I Shrunk My Parents, was also, I mean, it's technically a comedy, yeah. but it's very magical also with a magical school. And, you know, there's a lot of mystery. So, uh, yeah, that, those were a lot of fun to do. <laughs> and it, it's nice that my home audience kind of sees something that I do. Because <laughs> yeah. most of the stuff that I do over here doesn't really make it over there. Right, yeah. So uh, very often they, they are completely unaware of what I do. So this was really <laughs> nice to kind of do something that the people at home could also watch in cinemas. You've obviously worked with a lot of people that are people that you've looked up to. Oh, Do you get particularly starstruck meeting certain composers? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure I made a fool of myself when I saw Hans Zimmer for the first time <laughs> in a hallway, just walking past. And I was, you know, a lowly peasant. <laughs> I was the intern making him coffee. And, you know, <laughs> and he's so sweet at the same time. But you just don't know what to say because all of a sudden he's there. <laughs> and then you're just you want to say something, but you're like, just uh, starstruck entirely. <laughs> um, yeah, my time at remote control was certainly interesting <laughs> just because of the uh, amount of creativity that is there, the, the sheer size of the place, and also just the celebrities walking in and out there. And you yeah. just 
can't believe you're just, you know, standing there doing dishes and then Jodie Foster walks by or, <laughs> you know, champagne. And you're like, what the, what just happened? <laughs> is that okay? I guess this is my life now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it must be a phenomenal place to work that. Cause I mean, the amount of people that go through Hans Zimmer's remote control is quite ridiculous. I must've interviewed, we refer to them usually as Zimmer elves because <laughs> the, <laughs> The amount of, I mean, I must have interviewed five or six people that have, have gone through that process at some point, you know. Oh, yeah, it's it's as if everybody kind of does it at some point. You just, yeah. it's almost a given at this point that someone was at remote control at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating place because even though I've worked at a lot of studios here, nothing compares to that. It's really like this huge machinery. I mean, he owns a whole block in Santa Monica yeah. with, I think, five buildings. It's <laughs> it's just insane. The, just the amount of people and the amount of music that comes out of that place. Yeah. I guess another thing that I probably wasn't prepared for and that surprised me the most was just how much politics goes into this job. Right. That was really something, uh, particularly the moment you start working on bigger productions where big studios are involved. Yeah. All of a sudden, so many things change. <laughs> right. So many more people. It, it just gets so much more serious and so many more people get to make decisions and it just becomes so political and so um, it has nothing to do with music at some point yeah um and i don't think i was prepared for that because it's not something that i'm particularly good at right. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's definitely something i need to learn which is why i enjoy working under these bigger composers because i get to be at those meetings and i see how they navigate the waters yeah but it's definitely something that is pretty unique to you know the bigger studio system here yeah that's that's interesting i mean it's, it's a good learning experience experience i guess you know at least you can you know what to do next time it happens <laughs> yeah and you kind of can't learn it anywhere else because nowhere else do they spend these you know amounts of money on movies yeah so uh, and the politics usually come with the money because yeah. they spend so much money there has to be so much you know other stuff going on behind the scenes yeah that makes sense I've got a couple of final questions for you. Firstly, what are you working on at the moment? Is there anything you want to talk about that, you, uh, that you've got coming up? Uh, yes. I'm just finishing up a movie with Klaus, an animated movie cool. called Wish. Oh, nice. And um, we also have some video game music coming out for a game called Lords Mobile. Oh, cool. That was actually one we traveled to London for to oh, no. record with the London Symphony nice. for, ironically, for a mobile game. But they're, <laughs> you know, they're, they're taking this very seriously. I love wow. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a <laughs> hell of an orchestra for a mobile game. But uh, Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Very cool. that's that's some commitment right there. Yeah, that certainly is. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. And uh, I finished some work on another animated movie called Trouble. Right. Yeah. There's there's some other stuff in the pipeline that I can't really talk about yet. Cool. Good. It sounds like you're keeping busy. So. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's a lot coming up this year. <laughs> that's good. And the last two questions. First question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Oh, good question. I just finished watching uh, The Fosters. Oh, cool. I'm watching This Is Us. 
like yes. everyone <laughs> yes. just to have my my weekly catharsis <laughs> yeah. game of thrones i yes. love it yes even though we still have to wait till next year yes it's a torturous uh, I can't wait. wait yeah <laughs> and i can't wait for uh, the 100 to return oh yes I love, I love that show yes i thought it started out kind of weak and then it just turned into this brilliant show yeah so uh, if i remember correctly the composer on that is another zimmer elf so <laughs> <laughs> i can't I'm trying to remember just his like name. the game of thrones composer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. Very well, funny true. enough, funny enough, Ramin used to be Klaus's assistant. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he now has Klaus's old room at remote control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present, or future, which show would it be? Um, it would be anything fantasy or science fiction, I think. Something okay. like Star Trek. That would be really cool. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, the upcoming Star Wars TV series. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. Wouldn't that's that what I say. Something? <laughs> well, yeah. They're going right <laughs> to need music. They're going to need music. John Williams right isn't going to do it. So, you know. <laughs> Why I'm not? right here, Disney. Take me. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, I shall. Uh, I shall let you get back to your date. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Hopefully, we'll catch up again in like twelve months or so. Yeah, hopefully. And you know, whenever you're in town, let's let's grab a coffee. Yeah, that'd be lovely. I, I will do that. Talk to you soon. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So that was the interview with the composer and Catherine Dern. I hope you really enjoyed that. You can find various bits of her work around online if you go and google a name here are some highlights for next week on tv highlights for next week on tv start off with a show everybody's been waiting for gotham season four e4 10th of april at 9 p.m finally coming to the uk again on a new channel it's taken forever to get here after all the messing around with channel five but uh, i'm glad E4 have finally picked up. It was kind of where it should have been in the first place, that show. So that's back. Uh, the Resident is a new medical drama starring uh, Matt Kursky from The Good Wife and Gilmore Girls. He's a senior resident who takes a new doctor under his wing. That's coming on the Universal Channel 10th of April at 9pm as well. So going up against Gotham, which is brave. Um, mm, <laughs> Empire back for second half of season four on Five Star. That's coming on the 12th of April at 10pm. That Then one that I was really interested in uh, Lost in Space season one of that coming to Netflix on the 13th of April kind of a modern take on the classic TV series there's been a few trailers around for this it does look like it could be quite interesting I don't know whether you've seen any of this I've seen I think I watched like the opening trailer and I sort of look, looked into it I, I can remember when I was writing up the various casting news stuff so it does look interesting yeah um, I know it just, it just, it'd be interesting to see how they do it how much they change like the beginning of it yeah to see what where the job point is from. Yeah, so I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they do with that. But that's 13th of April on Netflix for Lost in Space. Oh. Uh, Bosch season four, that's coming to Amazon Prime on the 13th of April, which is the return of the Michael Colony books about the detective. Legion season two, uh, the mind-bendingly strange show is back on the 17th that's of April. That's a kind April. word. Yes, yes. So that's back on the 17th of April at 9pm. I love the first season of that, even though half the time you have no idea what's going on a uh, really really wonderful show that's back for its second season i want to see where on earth they go with it with the uh, the new season 
And Supernatural, as I mentioned earlier, back for its 13th season on E4 on the 17th of April at 10pm. That's back. Very much looking forward to that. Although, I mean, there's so much other stuff coming in April. It's frankly ludicrous, the amount of things that I'm having to try and keep on top of right now. But uh, very much looking forward to having Supernatural back. Uh, really, really adore that show. That's everything for this week. You can find Daryl on, uh, what was your Twitter account again? At Shaftsword. That's S-H-A-F-T-S-W-O-R-D. Cool. And uh, what were the two sites you write for? You can find my articles on Hollywood News Source. Yes. Or on Starry My Constellation Magazine. Cool. Okay. So that's where you can find Daryl. For us, if you uh, want all the latest air date information throughout the week, and there is a lot of stuff changing at the moment, you can go to geektown.co.uk, see all the latest air date info and news. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown, and on Instagram at Geektown UK. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 